Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up, what up, good morning, good morning, GM, GM, Friday, look at that, Friday, September 9th, 2022, another beautiful day, to have a beautiful day, I don't know if you're feeling it, I don't know if you're seeing it, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty damn good right now. Even rookies back from retirement to tell us that the Bears are wrecked. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. The pump is on. I mean, even pump removed his Bitcoin eyes or whatever they call those. Even Pompliano removed it from his bio. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Five days until the merch. <laughs> hey. Come Bro, on. we used to play this song every time, every raid night in a while before getting in there. And it's just, don't, it's giving me a lot of go back. Oh, man. Oh, man. G- we used to play the song. Every day in 2021, Whoa. buying all these blue chips. Oh, oh, there's OSF. Oh. Thinks he can take a week off to do some shit like get married or something. Now he's yeah. back. OSF got married for six whole fucking months. Uh, <laughs> dude, he's fucking Indian. That's how this shit works. He's yeah. so married. I wonder where my co-hosts are. It's not like we have a show at the same time every weekday. He's like, it's babe... Babe, what if we what if we got married on the same day the merge went live? Wouldn't that be so romantic? That, that was definitely my choice. That's what I was going for. But I, I got decayed. It's like we're merging Ozzy. our lives together while ETH is merging. Oh my god! Oh my god! We will definitely be merging um, next week. That's for sure. Uh, and that's about all the action Sobe's going to be getting uh, for the year. Uh, so. Dude, I, I'm not touching anyone until ETH is 2K, dude. So get to fucking pumping, bro. Please play the song well, again. Okay, let's go then. Let's go. We keep going then. We keep going. Let's go. Get ETH to 2K, everyone. That's what we need. That's what we want. And Yetis. And Yetis. So we could use a little hand, should I say. Oh, there he is. There he is. Look at that. There he is. At the Ooh. wedding, during the speech, they were like, we call him TGM, the Great Mando. Oh, there he, he is! Right did, there. Did you play his? Um, did you play OSS? Uh, yeah, we jingle? played the jingle. The jingle at the wedding while he was walking up. <laughs> we played the jingle <laughs> at the wedding, you know, and uh, and then he gave us the market report on his wedding. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, honey, I got to do something. 
Dude, imagine Mando. Imagine being at your wedding and Mando starts talking about Biff's and shit. Dude, like, come on, bro. He almost did, yeah. I think. He did today. <laughs> he did. <laughs> this wedding reminds me a lot of stagflation in the seventies. Man, it's um, it's uh, it was no, it, it was it was quite a speech. There was a there was a lot of uh, metaverse uh, and NFT, um, you know. Um, mentions in there. Mando, good morning. GM, yeah. everyone. I, did I just G- get? Did I just get crucified for being late? Everyone just took yes. pop, sh- pop shots until I turned up. Yes, of course you did. Of course you did. But we did. We need to send. Basically, we need to send ETH two K for Sobi to touch someone. So he he refuses. He's been saving his chastity until ETH goes back to two thousand dollars. So I'm saving myself for Justin Herbert, bro. Yeah, we <laughs> we gotta help him out um, over here. And so today. Today, today, <clears throat> ooh, I need some water. Today, <laughs> um, the <laughs> Twitter is euphoric. Uh, rookie XBT came out of rehab to tweet that the bears are wrecked. Pompliano removed the Bitcoin laser eyes and Bitcoin out of his bio. He's just pumping above $1,700. We'll be going over the NFT and daily macro, uh, macro daily summary as usual. Artifact updates metadata uh, for LeBron James. Uh, I, I assume, I mean, last week when they were on our show, the three, three founders, um, they did mention that a big, like, athlete's award. And I remember we were like, hey, so any big alpha, whatever. They did mention someone would come very, very soon. I'm pretty sure they said next week. So, obviously, assuming uh, that is the one. Uh, so Rare signs partnership with the NBA. We did have um, So Rare on, who also, uh, Nicolas Julia, the, the founder, right, CEO, on a show again was like, you know, you could expect one of the major leagues, um, you know, basically like you just got to listen to the Jam NFT show and uh, to, to predict the future because we do manage to get <clears throat> quite a lot of alpha out of these founders, uh, even though they try not to leak it, though, you know, it always it's good for their hype to leak it as well. So we don't blame them. And uh, and how to use NFTs to build IRL festival festivals powered by Superfest. So today's show is powered by Superfest. Can't wait to have him on. Uh, some really cool builders and some great friends. And it's actually interesting when it comes to, you know, a project building dope utility uh, in the NFT space. So can't wait to have Rick Foreman, uh, founder of, in, of Bonnaroo and, and a bunch of other festivals on uh, to chat about that. And a lot of cool stuff. So, so without further ado, let's get to this market uh, segment here because there is definitely uh, a lot to talk about here. It's, it looks like it's going to be an exciting weekend. Heading into the merge, but first, daily market report brought to you by Rug Radio. Yeah, hey guys, I'll start with um, the macro stuff, and there's been a big move in equities, like Nasdaq and SP 500 both up. Um, looks like they're up another two percent again today. Um, it's funny. I would I would have thought that would have come with like a rallying interest rates. Interest rates are still actually kind of like close to the lows of the year. I think the big thing that we saw move. Wh- why is everyone laughing? Because you sound so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound happy at all. 
<laughs> wow. We're like, we're like, are you happy? Why is everyone laughing? It's just an emoji, uh, bro. It's not that serious. Yo, blink twice. Blink, blink twice if you're okay. I definitely was laughing at OS, bro. I've never seen, I've never seen so much, I've never been so, like, silently laughed at before. <laughs> I was laughing. That, that was a... Uh, I'll be, I'll be, Abby came into the show sounding like miserable. So dead. Like, you... It was like, gosh. Like... He's like burnt out from his family. Like, <laughs> guys, I'm wow. married. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, my God. All right, go that, on, go on, that go was on. A, yeah, that was, a, that was a real tough one there. Um, I think the big thing, the big movie this week has been oil. I think it was back to, it was, it's now back to 86. It was as low as 82 earlier in the week. Um, I think that's the thing that, maybe is alleviating everything else i'm not really sure it's tough to judge but um definitely like today is definitely a day where like everything is going in the right direction all risk assets are rallying and of course we've seen it in in crypto as well like um everyone was talking about that 18k level being like this massive support level for bitcoin um i'm not really much of a chart person but it seems to it seems to that definitely seems to have played out like we're back above 21k eth is um back above 1700 um there's a few like there's a few big moves and alts i think that happens when you get a, a big rally in in bitcoin but um uh apecoin is, is a big move today that's up for about 20 percent and there's also been a lot of volume on the other side as well i think there's been like almost 2k eth volumes and other side in the last 48 hours as well so i don't know or i wonder if there's something going on there with with those two things moving in the same direction and there being a lot of volume um in the last 48 hours but yeah everything Everything is uh, is moving in the right direction. I don't think there's a real reason for it other than we got beat up a lot last week and maybe it's short covering. Maybe people are still positioned too defensively. Um, maybe it's anticipation of, of what's going to happen next week. I'm not really sure. You obviously have the merge effect playing in on, on ETH as well. But my hunch or my guess is that maybe there is like some short positioning across um, the market right now. And um as we head into the cpi number on tuesday maybe people want to actually de-risk that defensive or short positioning ahead of that um that's my guess oh my god i don't have any numbers to back that up but um yeah that's pretty much it i'm done talking i'm done talking you should have finished your you should have ended your your wedding speech on that by the way that would have just been fun that would have been good yeah that would be good Oh my god. And so and so tell us tell us how come we're pumping so hard right now? Wow, look at that. I woke up and I had to like you know, I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't there's no like I don't see a specific reason. I just think like when you have moves like this it, it shows you it gives you an idea or an insight into how people are positioned and we have like next week's the big week, right? You have that big CPI number, that's the thing that everyone is most focused on in traditional markets and and therefore like has an impact on, on our stuff but um yeah it's just like i don't i don't see any actual specific fundamental reason for it um and when you have a big it feels this feels like a squeeze it feels like a bear market squeeze it feels like a short squeeze to me this price action because it's very aggressive um and the other thing is like I, I you know i bet i think a lot of people had this trade on in eth versus bitcoin with their long eth short bitcoin into the merge i think that's like a very consensus trade or position. So maybe you're seeing some unwinding of that um, into next week as well. If it could be that as well. If this, you look at this, just feels like. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, if you look at OI, the OI is down a lot. Um, and it was like the OI went down as the price went up, so shorts covered. I think it was CL was tweeting about like OKEX or something. Apparently, does as like a or is it was it OKEX? 
one of these new, like not one of these new, um, just one of these uh, trading platforms has like a significant amount of OI on open interest for ETH futures. And that saw a huge close when the pop happened earlier. Sorry, I mean, I interrupt. I was just throwing some. No, that 100% makes sense. It just feels like I, that happened in stocks as well. I think um, I, po I posted, or I pinned like yesterday or two days ago was the largest number of put options uh, put on. Uh, more than in 2008, like an absolutely crazy amount of put options have been put on in the last couple of weeks. Now, over the long term, they might, you know, it, this could mean we are going lower. People are getting very bearish. But over the short term, what that does mean is you get incredible short squeezes um, if nothing happens. And seemingly, this just feels very much like a short squeeze to me, like the aggressive price action um, across uh, stocks and across crypto. Um because it, it overall it hasn't really looked that great. Um, dollar being super strong, the uh, rates pushing out to where they are. Um, oil dropped, but it, gas, natural gas is still like unbelievably high. Like it still has gotten worse, much much worse over the last um, month or so. But this feels like it's maybe just been overhedged, and um, yeah, it's just it's it's a short squeeze. Well, <clears throat> I'm certainly hoping that this keeps uh, uh, continues to happen. Um, did you tell me, Ovi, that we're going to be getting a number on the day of the merge or something last week? Yeah, so the, the CPI number we got on the 13th, I think that was supposed to be the day of the merge, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never seen it, like, officially confirmed anywhere either. So, um, so yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see then. We will have a merge special on Monday. Uh, everyone so if you're wondering and stressed out all about it don't be scared don't be stressed out uh we will be hosting <laughs> a merge special no full bars coming we're trying to get a couple more people as well involved but uh we will have a, an episode <clears throat> that will uh help help everyone uh with any questions they may have uh regarding uh the merge so uh we, as we get closer to the big day uh and the big event uh which is uh which is really exciting and uh and very very close so that's coming super soon. On the NFT side, let's hear it. But there's something I want to hear before that. GMGM. Um, not not a lot happening on on the NFT whoa, side. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Underwater. <laughs> <world. laughs> you, you guys not gonna get. We're over two that. today. Yo, whoa! <laughs> what happened? What just happened? You I don't know about those like... fucking mics you guys bought, but you're in the I'm matrix. Not having a mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck in Damn, the metaverse. Mando's now. mic is getting short squeezed. Yeah, <laughs> literally. That is, dude, that is one sound that I posted, I think, a thousand spaces by now. I've never heard that sound before. That was crazy. Where are you? <laughs> Houston. Houston. <laughs> no, man, you Houston, have, we have a problem. Say something again, I'm just fucking with you, dude. Let's try again. Mando? He's afraid. He's afraid Apparently, now. Apparently... NFTs are just not doing well, I, apparently. I, I just took off the headset. My new headset failed me at, at the, the key moment. I have to tell you, you actually sound better without the headset. I was oh, going really? to tell you guys that yesterday, both of you. Yeah, I think those headsets are fired. <laughs> um, but you like them so much at the start. Return. 
I, I like them so much because it made it, it sounded really good the first day and on our like Zoom calls. Uh, but then I guess they're not compatible. But uh, maybe it's an iPhone thing. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh my God! When Yeti sponsorship? Not and I mean the the I mean the I mean the the, the oh, microphones. Right. We already did the, that. Not the. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my dog. We already sold off sold to the Yetis. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of a quiet, uh, quiet day yesterday. Um, I think the majority of the trades seem to be some Chad listing like um, nearly a million dollars worth of other other deeds um, in some some of the like central locations. Um, I think he lifted like four or five plots, um, which is which was uh, took up a lot of the volume. The floor is up marginally, but it does feel as though some of the rarer plots are now starting to trade at a um, at a higher level. Um, Board apes, CryptoPunks floor still kind of hanging out seventy three sixty one, I think at the moment. There was a very high trade, I think. Um, I think Seat Light sold a one of one uh, yesterday for about hundred ETH to Curated, which is one of the big new funds they did that they're actually on the on the proof podcast a couple a few weeks back um they've made a lot of large investments into one of one art and generative art recently so if you're an artist uh i would be uh, trying to talk to them as much as possible but they bought a um a seer light for about 100 ETH. Uh, i think that was the largest trade yesterday if i'm honest in terms of in terms of size um but yeah when does blue um uh close up what did you say on super rare Blur. When does the blur piece from Tijo um, uh, closes? Is that today? Oh, I haven't seen the the main one. I've seen released over the last couple of days has been um, the, the you know token zero of where my fans go um, was released yesterday, which is him above like the Eiffel Tower, which is like an amazing piece. I think that will that auction is going to go on for the next week. Um, that yeah, photo okay. was absolutely insane, by the way. Like. Yeah. I remember when he was in Paris, I sent him a message. I'm like, are you doing what I think you're about to do? And he's like, yes. <laughs> that's crazy. It's uh, That's actually wild. Oh, yeah. The Actually, also in 10 hours on the art side still. So the, the blue, like the piece that took <clears throat> Twitter by storm last week by Tijo is actually, it was like on a seven day, five day auction, I think, something like that. Um, ends in 10 hours, so it's at 69.42 ETH <laughs> uh, bid on that, uh, you know, in true uh, fashion. You gotta love it, though. You gotta love that the biggest movers right now are some of the the, the one-of-one art. I don't know if oh, you guys don't, saw... Don't forget, Farouk, uh, Axe piece, uh, Alba Centauri Kids, two days ago. Yeah, so, yeah, I was literally headed there, like, ACK, um, which... I, did, you guys, did you guys buy the open edition? So, basically... He dropped an edition piece uh, of like a pastel blue color, which like Scott's just so sick as like edition holders to so the badge holders. And then he said, if one person lists it, I'll do an open edition. And then someone listed one for 69 ETH. Uh, and then what happened is that um, he actually released an OE. And so we all minted it. I got three, whatever. Like, I was like, it's ACK. Like, I can get in at 0.069 open edition. I'm in. I love those. And what happened is <laughs> yesterday when the 24-hour mark hit, he ref- he changed the metadata on all of the art, and it's Max Payne V2, and it's X copies Max Payne that revealed. Uh, and I thought that was hilarious. So another uh, another very typical uh, ACK move, right? Um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, when it comes to performance art, it's really uh, 
really, really one of the best ones. I actually advise like anyone, like if you're curious about CK more, like we had him on the show like three, four weeks ago. I forgot it was a while ago now, but um, you can go listen back to that to that episode. It was great. Um, you gotta love that. Um, there was something else. Uh, but but Farouk, I, I was talking about his pale blue death, uh, death, the one of one version, sold for two hundred and one ETH. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's true. So GVG, right? Which is one of yeah. his collectors. Um, he so ACK also part of his performance art. I think he listed it, and then he said, "I dare you to buy it for two hundred ETH, two hundred and one ETH, which is his all time high." And then um, and then burn it. And the guy bought it. 200 ease and sent the piece to the burn address and so we've heard that story once right when when he did that to trill for 100 ETH, and then he went offline for three days he came back and it, there was another piece that came forth but it's uh it's actually like it's so interesting what's happened in the art world like in on the art side of things and so definitely like a lot um of movement there um i'm hearing i don't know if you guys saw speaking of music nfts uh cooper uh who raised a 10 million dollar fund uh, and it's all over uh, Twitter. I saw that yesterday. Shared as well uh, to to invest in music NFT. So he literally meme- memed it into reality. Uh, rumor has it Sobi is his biggest fan and is part of a, is LPing that as well. I um, can finally dub my run Ed runs on someone for higher prices. Let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> 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 and speaking of music NFTs and Ed, I saw you got a tiny bid. On your on your artwork. So. Let's fucking go. Let's go, Ed. <laughs> Woo! Let's hey. go. Let's yeah. fucking go. Let's oh my! Fuck yeah. I didn't know that. That's fucking sick. Hell yes, yeah, sir. That's the new Ed record, right? Let's go. Shout out to music and the Let's keep it going for the culture. Hell yeah! <laughs> Shout out music and I love that dude. Music and is, is that your music super rare Genesis Ed? It was not on Super Rare. It was on the the awesome and the untouchable Open Sea. <laughs> wow, you really are oh. hitting Neutron. That's crazy. Let's fucking go. Um, but yeah, it's it was. I'm 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 gonna drop the Super Rare piece soon. But um, yeah, shout out to Vlad, my uh, the person who bid, and and yeah, it's dope to to see people. Um, you know, I, I did get a lot of DMs of people just saying that they liked the the NFT itself and. Um, the music and I, I appreciate that. So, just you know, I am also just trying to push music in this space. You know, we get a lot of hate, and I'm trying to push it from the artist perspective. So let's get it. Let's go. Um, you absolutely love to see it. Uh, and today also on the art side is uh, you know, Ovi Mando. This one's gonna hurt, but it's Nakamoto, the Nakamoto card. Uh, his sixth birthday. <laughs> it's the sixth birthday of, of the, the card, the NFT that started the entire crypto art movement, uh, which is actually fucking crazy when you think about it. Six years ago, uh, a man named Mike, go, that goes by the name of Mike, uh, minted Bitcoin blockchain, a card called uh, Rare Pepe, and uh, aka the Nakamoto card. It, it's only 300 of them, and, uh, and it sparked an entire movement which you all know today as crypto art and if you want to learn more about that we also had an episode with joe Looney, uh and uh and the whole like you know pepe crew and also an episode a few days after weeks after with art no uh who uh who wrote the article on what is crypto art back then as well 2016 
very interesting, very, very interesting piece of content there if you want to learn more uh, about, you know, the history of, of crypto art and whatnot or Pepe's. So that was like, there's a lot of movement in this weekend on the art side. You just love to see it, man. It's, uh, it's super, super cool. Uh, and so, you know, just got to keep it going. And uh, and definitely, definitely love to see it. I guess that's about it, right? On the NFT side, Mando. I mean, I'm looking at flips right now. Um, not much, right? Besides yeah, it's just, it was just that Chad who lifted, like, I think. Yeah, like $2 million, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it was a lot. thousand um, something ETH worth of uh, other yeah. side stuff. That guy's a Chad. And he, and he got the ones that are, like, close to all the ones that are close to the center or whatever they call it. So this is still speculation, right? There's been nothing the confirmed so far. Yeah, the swamp. Right. Now, you know a lot about the apes ecosystem, Sobi. Yeah, bro. I got to know as much as I can so I can hate even harder. I can always <laughs> be a better hater. Oh, my God. Uh, Moonbird is actually, wow, approaching 10 ETH. Um, that's dangerous territory right there. That's, uh, that's, that's one you really bought the top of, right? I honestly, like... like if I was still in London right now, I'd be ripping your head off. Uh, <laughs> no, that's when you double down. Like it bro. feels like you don't want another it, fanny pack. Bro, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even order my fanny packs. I gotta get to that. I went to, yo, I went to a proof at Moonbird's meetup in Montreal yesterday, so I got my utility. Okay, um, they were serving Macallan Twelve and some Hibiki whiskey. Okay, and uh, and some great Thai food. All right, so shout out to Martin uh, for hosting us in his restaurant. And it's always good to see people in Montreal. Shout out to Montreal, hosting little events. I try to pull up to every Web3 Montreal event I can. Uh, and so uh, when they... Yeah, to make sure to put that in the group report. Does, does yeah. Steve Aoki just, like, just rip you in, in the group chat at this stage? Like, he, he's, yeah, he's now really, Steve Aoki makes fun of me. You guys have supposed to verge since that trade, right? He, True he story. He as well. True story. I'm in Steve Aoki's group chat, and he's making fun of me for that trade. So, um, and so... Um, <laughs> Aoki had a drop too, right? His little replicant X drop. Yeah, yeah, on Solana. Too well though. Yeah, on Solana. I think he's uh, they're venturing there with Seth Green. Love Seth Green's good friend. Um, always trying to you know try different things in space. But yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, not too much. Wait, let's talk about the artifact stuff real quick. So we're gonna talk about artifact right now because this is actually the next topic discussion here. Um, Artifact updates metadata uh, for LeBron James. Uh, so a lot of like mixed. Com- I kind of want to talk. Actually, I really want to talk about that because I saw a lot of mixed comments. I, th- I think it started with Nate Alex's tweet, which, by the way, we're gonna have Nate Alex on the show soon too because he's so fucking funny that guy. But um, it's um, so you know he said something about so much for decentralization, blah blah blah. And so and so artifact yesterday basically um, there was a, I think it happened during the show or something because I was seeing people tweet at me. But uh, they refreshed the metadata uh, to LBJ beard or something to reflect LeBron James. Uh, obviously, clearly, it's it's an NFT that is uh, for LeBron James uh, and whatnot. And so, some people seem to think that it's not the best look for Web three and whatnot. Sobi, I saw you get into it as well. I don't know with who, but I did see you get into uh, get into it with someone uh, on Twitter. And so, Mando, what are your thoughts on uh, on this? Obviously, like it's huge that you know LeBron James, like arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time uh, and most important, you know, sports personalities in the world or personalities is you know going to be pushing an nft and whatnot we'll see what happens maybe not but i'm assuming uh he will but what do you think about the whole metadata refresh uh thingy i don't have a strong view on it like i, I yeah, don't know either. why people like people still just talk about decentralization max maximal maximalism in nfts like it seems clear that that's not how the nft space is really 
built around. It's also about around like centralized IP building and the concept that you're going to bring, you know, LeBron James into the ecosystem, I feel like is a massive positive for the NFT collection. So I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, changing the massive data like is, is, you know, it goes against decentralization maximism, maximalism principles. That's just not something I'm, I'm really worried about for, for, for this collection. Um, if this was something which from the start had been had been about that, then then maybe, but um, it really doesn't feel like that by any means. I think people are hoping that Clonex and Artifact are going to build like a, a really interesting product here, which is going to be used by a bunch of different sports stars. So I, I'm, I'm really not kind of with that as, as a view. Um, that being said, like, you know, some people are going to get upset by it. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what happens. Like they, they came on here before and they, there was... If you remember, they didn't just say it was one. They said it was multiple, multiple sports stars across many different um, fields. So I don't know if this is just one of many, but Sobi might have a uh, have a more detailed view. I also have a question about that, Sobi and Mando and you know people of the stage, people of the jury. Um, yeah, left. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he 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 he's rugging for good reasons today because he's got to go work on Project Basil. Um, but we won't say more about that. Uh, and so today it's okay. Uh, and then, so, um, the question is, I mean, we were talking about ACK just now, right? Like pulling some like, you know, art tricks and he loves to play with the metadata and whatnot. Like at what point is it okay and not okay then? Right. I, I, I'm, and then I don't think we're the, you know, we're the authority either to say what's okay and not okay here. But I was just curious about that. So, because I saw you go back and forth about it and you've been in the space for quite a bit. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, so my, like. I have like a slightly biased opinion and an unbiased opinion. So like I try to like extrapolate them. So my unbiased opinion is essentially that like I think decentralization in general is a spectrum. Um, and so what I, like an example of that is like um, maybe not a lot of people in the space, but maybe a lot of people don't need to use this stuff anymore. But there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of aggregators that people use to use for AMMs, um, like Matcha and One Inch. Um, and there's a couple other ones I'm forgetting, like Atomic Blue, et cetera. Now, when you use like something like Matcha or even like, let's say, just say even like Gem, right? Like, I don't know what that, like what the matching algorithm is underneath there, right? Like it's probably getting updated and all this stuff all the time. So it's not like immutable or, or whatever. Um, and then I, I think about like, well, <clears throat> if, if you view NFTs as like holistic products, like as long as I think, um, like, so what I'm thinking is this, like, as long as like the, you actually own that token representation, like, yeah, the metadata that the token represents could alter. Sure. And I think artifacts has always kind of come out with and been very forthcoming with the idea of like, Hey, like, you know, this is like a real product that uses web three principles, but like, don't think about it as like a very holistic way. Like I think some NFT stuff that's completely immutable are usually like experiments like loot and spells and stuff that have been recently happening. Um, and then just even recently, like people talk about, um, you know, people like, oh, this, this fucking spits in the face of Web3. Like this is where my biased opinion comes in. Like, bro, shut the fuck up. It's LeBron James. I don't give a fuck. Like that's just straight up the honest truth. Like it's fucking LeBron James. I'm sorry that you got your dick wet because you thought Josh Hart bought your fucking NFT collection or Kyle Kuzma or fucking Des Bryant. Like, no one gives a fuck about those people, bro. This is LeBron fucking James, and he's going to start fucking shilling Ethereum NFTs. This is the only way we're going to get fucking exit liquidity, and you fucking nerds are sitting there getting upset about some stupid shit no one gives a fuck about. 
Like, ser- like it's, it's, I literally look at this shit. I'm like, this is straight up coke. Like, this is actually so net positive for the space in the sense of like, imagine you get like LeBron or Ronaldo or fucking whoever. I don't even. Know, I might be fucking signed to Nike at this point. They got everybody, right? And you get these people coming in and saying this shit is cool. But then I think, like, let's try to put ourselves into someone's shoes. That's like, let's say I'm like a 18 year old hype beast. Right, I'm I'm on the sneakers app. I'm following. I'm in all these sneaker cook groups. Um, I even have like a LeBron fan account. All this shit, right? Like I'm I'm this like the typical consumer. I haven't heard shit at all about NFTs, or if I did, I thought they were cringe or money laundering or fucking killing the planet or whatever bullshit. I think it's stupid that there's no way to represent them. Did like physically, I don't understand the value of just pure digital goods. Even though I spent all of my tuition refund on fucking Fortnite skin, like all this shit escapes these people. But I think an interesting thing that Artifact has done as like a user journey, if you look at these forging events that they've done, right, with like this digital experience, I still wish we had a better word for physical and digital merging than digital, but just use that for now. For these digital experiences they've made, for people that like no sneakers, no clothing, no merch, and they think to themselves like, oh, wow, this actually makes a lot of sense to me. I have like a token that represents digital ownership, so now I can create clubs around this stuff because like collectors – usually like the way they flex their collections is through social capital, which lets them be in social groups that the other people wouldn't be in. So like, you know, basically like NFT alpha chats are very similar to just sneaker alpha chats or like streetwear alpha chats where all these people that buy and consume and collect the same things are finding themselves. A lot of times like people could be LARPs or whatever. So now you can provably verify people have the assets they're doing. You can even create social communities on top of different pairs of sneakers and it makes it like blockchains in general, like reduce like the searching function or make like searching like a lot easier. But then the other thing is like people will be able to understand like, <clears throat> and, and this is like, I'm kind of hypothesizing on some of this stuff, but like imagine like, you know, we know that Nike's putting these NFC chips in their clothing, right? Like now let's say that I pull up to some in-person event and I'm wearing uh, these Air Force ones that have an NFC chip. And maybe I need to also own the NFT, right? And, but and that can create a different type of experience for people. But what I'm just saying is for a first time consumer that gets into this space or starts looking at this stuff simply because their favorite athlete all of a sudden likes it. And if they stumble upon the fact that like, Oh no, this actually merges both digital and physical. Like I am a, uh, there's a brand that I am a huge consumer of that like allows me to participate in both digital and physical spaces. And there's all kinds of gear crafting. You can go into like, well, what if like eventually these NFT holders of these sneaker NFTs become the middlemen, become the distributors, right? Like what if you need to have the NFT to, to then produce the physical asset and that I don't want to get into all that. But what I'm just saying is like, like, like if you just, just say you forgot about NFTs or you fucking hated NFTs from, for most of the typical consumers, I think coming in, they would like, they would appreciate the digital thing, especially because it's a brand that they already like. And I'm, I'm really curious to see who they collaborate, collaborate with in terms of brands. Because Nike collaborates with everybody, and I think it's to me. I've like I've always thought this shit was gonna happen. To be honest, I've saw that clone in their wallet six months ago, and I literally t- thought to myself, either this one or the alien that they have that has a crown. One of those two things is gonna be LeBron's clone. It has a fucking crown, like that. Like you know what I mean? And I'm kind of annoyed that people are talking about this because I'm trying to stack more clones, etc. But it's just super obvious. Like Nike never buys shit. Why the fuck would they? The, someone tweeted like at me the other day, like. Oh, all these athletes are only doing this shit because they're getting paid. 
I'm like, bro, like, no, they're doing this shit because they're all signed to contracts with Nike and Nike just bought this company. And like, may, I think maybe like, let's say artifacts added a billion dollars of revenue to them, right? That that's a sizable amount of money. It's nothing, nothing world shattering for them, right? That's like probably beefed up their Q1 numbers a little bit or whatever, Q4 or whatever. But what I'm saying is like, to me, when I saw that, like, like moving, like shifting back nine months ago, when I saw the acquisition news, to me, that was like one of the most legitimizing things in the space that if you have literally the legacy of fucking Phil Knight, the people that invented sneaker culture as we know it, going, this is the future of culture and consumerism. To me, that's a really big sign. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing. Those are my opinions. It doesn't have to be everyone else's, but I think you're fucking coping if you're mad because they updated the metadata to literally get the biggest fucking athlete in the world to come start shilling it. ETH NFTs, bro. This is pretty sick. That was quite a wow. Wait, um, Sobi, I, I I missed that. Can you say that all over again, please? <laughs> well, you're gonna have to catch that on the replay. Uh, and um, and shameless plug to Spotify, Apple Music, and all the other platforms. We're on hell yeah. Uh, but it's uh, you know, Golden, you're gonna have to clip that first part though. The first couple of seconds, uh, like, dude. Absolutely, absolutely. You're the most bullish Sobi possible. <laughs> Literally, I, I like we absolutely need to clip um and that 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 first part. It was absolutely incredible. So I think that sums up a lot of the parts. I mean, Nas, I saw you request to speak when we when we uh, brought up this point. Did you have any specific thoughts when it came to the metadata switch from Artifact? Yeah, I mean, in general, like uh, you know, you and I talked a lot about it. Like, I'm very bullish on dynamic NFTs and just like NFTs that are meant to 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 evolve over time because I think that it's this is kind of like the 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 design space that is going to help NFTs move to kind of like the next stage. Um, I think it's like there, like a lot of people kind of conflate decentralization with immutability, wherein like in reality, that's not the case at all. For example, like Ethereum, like the blockchain itself is decentralized, but like the state constantly changes, right? Like that's not, and, and it doesn't impact like in decentralized. I think that like a lot of people kind of think about it the, the the wrong way and think like oh like nfts should be always the same after they get minted but like if you think about it if you if you start thinking about like games whether that's from a land perspective whether that's from a character perspective everything changes constantly right like if you have a game like the other side for example and everyone has lands like don't you think that like land should be harvested that like you should be able to build things onto the land that you should be able to uh, acquire resources from other people and so on. There's just like in nature, a lot of the stuff that we plan on doing on top of blockchains is inherently uh, dynamic, right? And people come and go. And, 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 and even if you think about Clonex from like a fashion perspective, fashion changes more than like anything that I just mentioned, right? Like it, fashion changes you have you know the, the the season collections and then you can you know gonna have like collabs and you're gonna have everything's like why wouldn't the nfts associated to these fashion brands evolve along with the collections along with the seasons and so on right like why wouldn't you have like a, just a winter a winter clone like they, they should be able to to provide you with the ability to have your nft evolve with whatever trend is happening. So I think that like as a space, we really need to um, kind of put the immutability aside. That's just very valuable for like some specific cases. 
but I think that people should think more in terms of uh, versions and like versioning of NFTs. The ability that that like anyone can kind of inspect the NFTs and come back at any point in time and be able to validate like, okay, like at this day and, and, and time, you actually had this thing. This is actually what, what is valuable. Uh, just like in Ethereum, it's the same thing. Like you should be able, and you are able actually to come back to any point in time in the, 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 the history of uh, Ethereum and replay things um, to just like validate that uh, this is actually what happened. And so I think that everyone in the space should kind of like start uh, evolving in this direction. Think less in terms of immutability, more in terms of, in term of like versions and uh, uh, dynamism so that we can kind of unlock new new use cases. No, yeah, so I love what you say there. And it's something I completely agree with all along. It's like, if you have an NFT, you know, well, like with everything going on, like what's going to make you come back and pay attention to it rather than just price go up? And I think the dynamic ability of it is going to be so key for more people as they actually come in to be able to see that evolve over time, let it tell them a story, let them build upon it. Uh, I think that's really one of the major keys to uh, mass adoption. Like, so you were spot on earlier. Like, it is LeBron. Like, the amount of people that are going to come in and be involved in this space, become him. He's one of the top five athletes in the world, like, without a doubt. I don't like him because he beat the Celtics a bunch a long time, and now he's a Lakers fan. <laughs> but you can't deny he's one of the best athletes of all time. Uh, the one, My only thing on it besides that, though, and I, I say it a couple of times, and we're about to get in this with Sorare and NBA, is – now he's coming in with this deal with Nike. I'm just ex- concerned with like what is the exclusivity with it, and what is like the diluted IP going to be coming over time. Like, could he go drop something else, and what would happen to the original ones here? So that's my only concern on some of these athletes that are coming in that are you know maybe already have a deal with Nike, but maybe has also a deal with the Lakers, so they could drop an NFT. It's just it's interesting, and it, it's a lot of these athletes have not doing it themselves, and they have agents and managers and you know their big goal is to make as much profit for these athletes uh that doesn't mean that uh i don't think some are going to do it right that's one thing i always keep in my mind when like a big athlete or celeb comes into the space yeah that that's for sure something to keep in mind i just wanted to touch something on that that i thought was funny it was like i think the same people complaining about artifact updating the metadata to also complain about ethereum shifting to proof of stake like, right, like, the, to me, it's, like, those are logically the same thing. Like, why would you not, like, evolve something? But, like, that's just the, not to keep being that dead horse on that. But I think also for these athletes, it's, like, it's interesting to consider, like, the contract stuff. But I think a lot of them now also want social capital for some of this stuff. Because, like, what it means to be an athlete, I think, has evolved. Like, there's a lot of athletes, and honestly, like, Draymond Green is a great example of this. And Andre Godawa as well. Like, a lot of these guys are getting into venture. Right, like what it means to be an athlete and to have wealth and manage your wealth has, has really shifted. There's been a huge emphasis across the NFL and the NBA to increase financial literacy amongst players. Because if you look at the statistics, it's pretty sad. A lot of players go broke after leaving the league because of unsustained burn and all this stuff, right? And so I think what it means to mo- be a modern-day athlete is, is shifting in the sense of like you should dominate in whichever sports market you're in, but now people also want to dominate in capital markets. And maybe that's cope, but I think it, it's interesting to see them um, of their own accord get into Web3 because they did – obviously, they think there's money to be made here. But, you know, for – like talking to guys like Odell and stuff, they have a the, – I'd say the top guys actually, like, give a shit, right? Because they want – like, guys like LeBron, like, 
you know, he's not going to really miss extra money, but like adding to his legacy of like a businessman helps. Right. And that's the same thing with a lot of these other guys. Like what it means to be an athlete isn't just like, you're not like monolithically defined by just the sport you play anymore. They want to be more well-rounded. And I think NFTs and culture and stuff enable them to do that in a way that is tech focused and also creates a perception of them being forward thinking and innovative. Yeah. There's also like another uh, missing element here. Like, LeBron isn't just an athlete. He's not just a basketball player. He's like the first billionaire basketball player. Like that's massive. You know, he's not, he's more than just a figure. Like he's super, super successful and he's bringing in more than just, just his name, you know, like it's massive. Look, I think, I think if it's, it's a nuanced question because if they change your metadata of your punks, for example, I think people would be upset by it. And then people are assuming that the, that the, that is equivalent with something like a with something like Clonex, and it's just not like the whole nature of Clonex is built around uh, an IP that will change. That they're trying to build a company which is related to sports stars, potentially come to user or fashion. Like the concept of the idea that the metadata might change to help build the brand is kind of ingrained in what they've been doing. Like the whole concept of wearables is based based on stuff like that as well. Um, so I just I just don't see the equivalence. Um, when you get this sort of r- railing against decentralization when stuff like this happens. I no, this shit is horrible, bro. Call OFAC right now. Sanctions for every <laughs> artifact holder. But you have a choice. If kids an investigation by any federal... I think Nas made a really good point about not confusing like immutability as well. Like It's like, you know, like we're, we're talking about dynamic NFTs. We're talking about different types of ERC721s and whatnot and things you can do. Like our, our NFTs are dynamic. Like our NFTs are composable on-chain NFTs that can act as passports on chain and it's like you can do so much with them and add to them and you know and we we want to do different things with them uh down the line as well like it does that has nothing to do with decentralization or not it's not like they're taking your nft away from you you know even when we were talking about ac carely and i was just going to say that for yeah like performance art change yeah performance art right ack like what he did like dude like i don't feel rugged at all i don't feel like he broke decentralization uh, at all either and i think it's hilarious and and to me it's 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 totally fine like it's like okay like i bought it because i knew i kind of like in my head like we were even talking to chat i was like I, we f- I feel like he's gonna do something with it and so it was funny and so it's kind of part of the and actually if anything like i find it pretty cool all the different things like if you want to we could nerd out on this another time for for a long time but like of all the different things you can do using smart contracts and whatnot but like there's a lot of really cool things that you can do uh, using the technology, uh, which is extremely interesting, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think um, I think you all make really good points. I think it's uh, it was, if, uh, you take, mm-hmm. if you take a step back, like this is a question about all right. In that view, like the contract should be burned after after they're um, all they're all issued, and no one should be able to touch touch them going forward. But what I quite like about NFTs is that like we don't need like or, or there be regulation basically coming in and saying like. They're not allowed to touch anything with your NFTs afterwards. But no one's walked away with, like, the treasury here. Like, the good thing about NFTs is what we don't have things like regulation is, like, you do have social value. Like, the courts are decided with the the floor price and how the community reacts to it. So, like, if it's seen as less valuable, then they're going to be kind of punished for it in in a way. Like, we need to be more comfortable with the concept that, like, um, I don't know, people should be be allowed to do anything, but it's at their own peril. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, well, there is no other solution to this other than like you burn all the contracts or you bring in regulation. I don't think any of them are, are good. So I think we just got to we have to accept that the court of public opinion, this sort of thing is going to ensure that contract owners do the right thing, because if not, then the, the value of their their pieces are going to go down. Yeah, I agree. This, this would be the same for punks, but like the punks people would never do that because they know the social capital of their whole of their whole creation would just go down to zero they've taken a gamble here on the idea that, that wouldn't happen and we've just kind of got to accept that, that mechanism for for punishment uh by bad actors will 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 see us through if that makes any sense yeah that makes perfect sense no i think you guys make some really good points about this it's, it's important to talk about it because you see all these tweets like a lot of um sensationalism and stuff like that, like, oh my god, there's that, but like, it's, I think it's far different. Um, and I think a lot of people also like decentralization as a whole is, is really like broad, uh, the term, the way it's been used in abuse, if whatnot. And like, I think, um, there's a different, you know, it's it just, I don't know, it's, it's very interesting, but hey, you know what? Like, we're early and we're learning every step of the way, and, and it takes people to, to, to try things and do different things, uh, to even have these conversations. So, I think it's interesting that we're having it. And, uh, and uh, it's important as well. So uh, speaking of basketball, you know, right before I, I bring the Superfest fam up here uh, so we can talk about, about what they're up to here, uh, which is really fun and very cool. Uh, you know, Mando, uh, we had Nicolas Julia, the CEO and founder, right, of, uh, of Soar on a few weeks ago on the show. Another great show, uh, by the way. Uh, I advise people to listen to if you're interested in what they're building, that ecosystem and how they're thinking about it as well. Uh, and so he was mentioning that they're going to bring on another big league. And, you know, they're obviously already doing, I think it was the MLB, Major League Baseball, and now the NBA. So, Mando, tell us more about this. Yeah, I, I just thought it was relevant because we had him on and he of kind course. of he hinted at it before. But um, remember, So Rare is a French-based company. They started with European football, um, signing on different clubs um, and sometimes even different players um, for essentially trading cards and then they tried to they've been trying in europe to kind of spin up the concept of like a fantasy football um style style game which is successful but has some deficiencies in that they haven't signed up every club in the league so it's just not quite perfect um but they you know when you do this in the u.s it's a lot easier because you're signing a deal with the whole league um and they've done it now with major league baseball and now they're going to do it with the nba i think both the mlb and the nba now own some equity in so rest and now they're now like they, they i think it must have been some sort of a an equity plus cash deal for for this to go through but i think this now paves the way for the idea of like a fantasy fantasy um sports platform um particularly based in the u.s uh, they obviously haven't signed up the nfl yet but um that could be an incredibly successful model, I think. I think when I first heard about NFTs, I thought it could, if they managed to get the rights right, this could be very, very valuable because there have been attempts in the past to create um, to create paid uh, fantasy football games, which have kind of never really gone quite right, um, mainly because of the, of the value being lost. But this is this is the right technology um, and the right company to, to actually make it successful. So. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very very big deal. I think I think they they've done all the right things, and if they can get the NFL signed up as well, that platform is just going to be unbelievable. I think this is really cool. Um, it's uh, it's obviously like again like um, there's like it's like there there's 
it's nonstop. Like it's like the way this the the big brands and the big franchises and, and whatnot are just getting on board into into Web three into NFTs and to this technology. So I think it's really cool. Like you're gonna see um, a, a lot more of it. We've been saying like honestly, like this during this entire bear market. Like I I don't know about you guys. Um, I think it's an article, but I could be wrong. There's been more um, you know like investments into the space than there was during during uh, during, the, during the last bull. And uh, but also just like the onboarding has just been crazy. Like all these, these companies looking into it. So definitely, I, I just love, love, love like um, you know uh, seeing uh, the space push forward like that. And I can't wait, um, you know, to you know onboard the masses into it uh, using all the fun, you know, card games and whatnot. You know, like Soren and what they're doing, collecting and whatnot. So you know, definitely different use cases and just like um, the casino. Uh, that for which we're being like judged <laughs> because that's you're, what you're that's... so hot when you talk about use cases, bro. Damn. <laughs> oh my God. I hate you. Um, <laughs> so me. Um, and so speaking of use cases, then you know what? I'm going to go right into it. Uh, <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way, I didn't get to talk to them. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's 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 birthday week. We're gonna be celebrating all weekend because uh, end up working all week and uh, and uh, and so it's it's gonna be hella fun. Love it. Uh, but uh, but 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 speaking of that, not the birthday. I mean the use cases. We do have uh, Rick Farman, Noko, and Caroline who are up on stage right now with us. How are you guys doing? Good morning, GM. What up, Farouk? GM. How you all doing? GM. Good morning. Up, Thanks for having man. us. Hell yeah! I'm so happy you guys yeah uh, are, are are here today. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's it's really I can't wait to talk about Superfest and everything you guys are up to. We were talking about y'all actually. Um, I think it was two weeks ago. I have this like night show usually on Thursday nights from eight to ten, Eastern with Mel, um, and uh, we were talking about a bunch of different like you know like utility types of utility and NFTs and what you know we could be seeing more of in the future. And she actually mentioned you guys, and uh, so we were talking about Superfest and uh, obviously uh, love Mike Lazaro. It's a great friend and Rick. It was really awesome to meet you at VCon uh, as well uh, to hear more about what what you're all up to with uh, with Superfest. And so the mint closes today. Last day to be able to mint. I think I minted two of them. Like uh, when when it opened up, I, I don't remember when. It was a few weeks ago. I minted one for myself and one for my girlfriend uh, because I thought it was it was fun. And obviously, have to support the fam uh, whenever I can, however I can. And so let's get right into it. I mean. This open the question, but I'm, I'm going to go right to Rick. Like, tell us more about what Superfest is, and then I definitely want to dive deeper into like, like your background, you know, with Bonnaroo and all the stuff you've been doing in the festival space. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, glad to be here with y'all. Um, so, Superfest is um, a, a project that's mission is to create um, the first ever sort of crowdsourced, decentralized music festival. Um, and along the way, we're creating this amazing community of people that are passionate festival and experience fans. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting way to be working. You know, typically in the concert and festival business, when you create something, you kind of do all of the work of architecting what that experience is going to be behind the curtain. You figure out what your location is going to be and who the artists are going to perform and uh, what your ticket price is going to be and all that kind of stuff you do. And then you kind of put it out into the world and you hope anybody gives a shit. 
And um, we've been doing this for you know almost 25 years. We've created all sorts of different types of festivals, big ones, small ones, music festivals, comedy festivals, food festivals. I've had a ton of experience doing this stuff. And um, I've always felt that there was um, a, a different type of opportunity. And the wheels originally got kind of turning for me on a, a different paradigm um, in kind of that Kickstarter era when, when that kind of started to, you know, be a thing that people use to launch different uh, projects and businesses and products. Um, it got my wheels turning that maybe we could figure out a way to include the audience and the fans and the artist community before we do all the work of deciding what this should be and what a new experience should be. Um, and, you know, that kind of planted an initial seed, but never really figured out how, the, you know, how to do that in the right way. As I was uh, watching what was going on with Web3 and being an investor a, a lot on, alongside with Mike Lazaro, who's a great friend of mine and, um, you know, uh, a huge advisor and, and uh, you know, somebody who I you know, just love, uh, you know, picking his brain about where things are going. We started to, you know, talk a little bit about um, what, how we could apply some of the Web3 tools and, and paradigms. Uh, to, to my traditional business of creating experiences. Um, and so, um, you know, it just felt like, hey, now is the moment because the tools are there, because the mentality is there um, to do this in that way, to form the community first, a community of, you know, ardent festival fans and people who love experiences and importantly, artists, uh, both musicians and visual artists and uh, you know, other types of artists to start with building a community that can inform and uh, really help design what a next generation festival looks like. And so that's really what we're doing at Superfest. That's really cool. And so, and, and, I, and I really like your, your, tra your train of thought. Just like, I want to take it uh, uh, back a little bit because obviously we're talking about your experience uh, with festivals, right? Because a lot of people now, and you, it's funny, we're seeing a lot of projects, you know, head towards like really heavily towards like festivals. Like we saw, you know, Board Yacht Club really switch around and then like, go towards Ape Fest and whatnot. But you guys, uh, you've been, you know, big putting festivals together for a very long time, right? Um, and uh, with with Bonnaroo, which I believe is the is the is a more popular one, and which is a super cool uh, festival as well. Do you want to talk maybe like? A little bit about like the background and the years of experience that you guys have. I really want to like double down on that because a lot of the times like people like come into space, they want to build something cool, which the ideas are great, by the way. I'm not knocking that at all, but the experience is lacking. But on your end, it's like that's literally your bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so I started my company called Superfly um, about 25 years ago with some friends uh, when we were college students uh, in New Orleans. And uh, you know, New Orleans is an amazing place to uh, just absorb um, the connection between community and culture. Um, you know, it, it, people live it there in an incredibly, you know, deep and, um, you know, true way. And uh, as we were sort of young people who were really inspired by um, that, um, we started to think about, you know, what our impact can be and what we could do. And we started producing events and concerts all around New Orleans, kind of, you know, walking before we ran. And in 2002, around, we came up with this idea for um, a national 
um, camping festival. It really in America that didn't exist before. Um, it wasn't, you know, sort of a, a festival that, um, you know, people would come to from all over the country um, to participate in like a full blown immersive, um, you know, you know, big throwdown. And so that's what Bonnaroo is. We created, um, you know, this festival that exists in, um, in the site in Tennessee, 60 miles south of Nashville. Um, and it became one of the biggest music festivals in the world um, and really had all of, has had all of the top talent in the, you know, that you could think of there from, you know, Jay-Z and Radiohead to, you know, to Dead Mouse and, um, you know, I mean, Elton John, Billy Joel, you know, like literally every kind of kind of act you can think of. And, and one of the things that was paramount about that was a really diverse set of programming, right? All sorts of different artists from all sorts of different genres, comedy, huge food offering. Um, and it, it was kind of one of the pioneers of the American festival scene. Um, and so off the back of that, we created lots of other types of festivals, a huge comedy festival here in, in San Francisco, a bunch of different food festivals. And then another one that we're kind of really most known for is the Outside Lands Music Festival that happens in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. Uh, we just finished, uh, you know, our uh, 15th year um, uh, in August. We did 225,000 people through Golden Gate Park in, in wow. three days. Um, and you know, it was, it, it's an amazing event because not only is it got this incredible music lineup, really well curated and encourage everybody to go check out all the lineup posters and stuff like that. So you can get a feel for what we do in that regard. But we also serve a hundred different types of wine. Um, we serve 50 different types of beer, 200 local food dishes from all sorts of you know, amazing restaurants in the Bay area. And uh, we are the only festival, large scale festival globally that has legal sales of uh, and consumption of cannabis. Um, so that's also kind of a pretty cool thing uh, that that uh, we were able to pioneer. We were able to figure out with the state of California and the city of San Francisco how to get that officially licensed. And that's been a huge part of that event. So um, you know, Superfly also does lots of other types of experiences. Um, we um, we actually just recently produced uh, Lizzo's record release party. That's really cool. Um, we have a immersive um location-based experience uh, with Prince um, in Chicago, that's in Chicago right now. Um, and we do lots of, you know, it's just a whole gamut of experiences. Um, and, and, you know, the thing that we really love the most, ultimately the thing that drives us is building community around this stuff. Because, you know, going to a festival, you know, going, participating in something like this and as an observer is fun. But what really is fun, and we all know, is that when we go with friends, when we meet new friends, when we discover things because of the relationships that we have that we would normally never know about, just like what you guys do here on Rug, where you're introducing people to all sorts of different, you know, humans and concepts and projects and ideas we espouse a lot of that same stuff through the festival and experience format of really bringing people together and so what's you know so inspiring right now about this space for me is that there's just so much openness to people coming together to create together 
And um, we just are so excited to kind of apply that to what we've been doing for 25 years. Um, you know, we are always trying to be innovative. We never rest on our laurels. What we did yesterday is great, but what we do tomorrow is what's really important and what drives us. And so to be able to apply the energy in this space to something we've been doing for 25 years uh, has energized all of us. Um, and so we're really, really just psyched, uh, you know, to, to, to be here because um, what's going on in this space is really, um, I, you know, I've seen a bunch of different cycles now of innovation and uh, how innovation in media and culture and um, technology really creates innovation and experience. And so to be riding that wave right now with y'all is, is really exciting. That is super cool. Wow. Congrats on the success. I, I... 200 and you said 25,000, 250,000 people Damn, over three days. That's insane. I can't even imagine the, the, the work that has to go into, into, uh, into putting something like that together. And so here you are. So you have the whole background. You've been training, you've been making this festivals, putting this festivals together for literally 15 years. And, uh, and, you know, Bonnaroo being uh, the really big one and you've done a lot of cool stuff. And now you are in web three, you know, fast forward 15 years later, uh, you've got amazing advisors. I'm seeing. I'm, I'm on your website right now on Superfest with the three dot X Y Z. Snowfro, Mike Dudas. You know, I'm seeing Fonz, Token Proof. I'm seeing he's one of your partners as well, which is really cool. So I'm assuming it's all gonna be Token Gate and whatnot. Uh, and so, and I'm seeing some incredible names. I personally love uh, Blondish, a friend, love her, love her music and whatnot. Right. So you have like a dope lineup. You have obviously all of the experience. And you have some great advisors and a great team. So talk to me about, about the NFTs now, obviously, because like one of the early use cases of, of NFTs that we were talking about when I first got into the space was we were exciting about ticketing, right? And we still talk about it a lot, which is like ticketing is going to be an immense part of it. I think we saw the whole announcement of Ticketmaster and like Flow last week and whatnot. Or anyways, there's a lot going on in that space, right? And so, and so I kind of want to learn more about the NFT. Like what, you know, I minted mine. I think it was, I forgot when the mint opened, but I minted right away. And so... Minted mine, and and so what? What do you get? Like when when you mint a super fast NFT, it closes out today. So what does someone uh, get once they you know join your community that you're building? Yeah, so I, I want to take this opportunity to bring uh, Nako into the conversation here, who um, has just been a, an incredible force in building and driving our community, and he's got an amazing background uh, around experience as well. And so uh, let let me toss to him because I, I think he's going to, you know, uh, give the full picture of uh, how this is being integrated uh, with Web3 at large. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. and happy to be here. So um, a couple of things. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about Rick's background and experience building Superfly and like our collective experience building experiences and, you know, large scale and small scale. Um, you know, one of the things that we really took to heart in this mission is that like, we want to build Superfest, and we want to do that with a collective of artists, super fans, uh, musicians, industry experts, and whatnot, and make that development decentralized and really unique in how we change the game around what a festival can be and how it can really be produced and developed, right? Um, but we also have like this really deep understanding of how Web3 works. And, you know, a festival build or something of that ambition takes time. And the Web3 world, and just like the social media era also, just is one of those things that moves at like a hyperbolic breakneck pace, right? And so we know 
that like over everything, the success of a lot of projects is contingent on like, how do you keep the attention of your community and a greater audience in like the Web3 community at large, right? And so um, what we decided to do is evolve from everything just being about building Superfest to diversifying our mission a bit to making your life a festival. And so what the Superpass does is it really enables that. Um, it deems you as a founder of Superfest. So it's kind of a different like, kind of status, I think, that you have in the overall de decision-making and development of the project. Um, but what we've introduced are a couple of programs that are going to allow people to get immediate value and also kind of like curate their path within our ecosystem. So I'll just go through a couple of them because I think they highlight like a significant amount of value in the, in the short term that people can take advantage of. Um, and then we can certainly, you know, go deeper into any of them individually. But um, so obviously our North Star is building Superfest. So the Superpass as a founder is going to allow you to vote on all the decisions that we make around the development of what Superfest will manifest as. Right. Um, but additionally, we have a couple of programs, one being field trips. So field trips is inspired by Superfly's like longstanding history of offering show stipends to employees um, with the insight of the fact that like, hey, if we can take our employee network and turn them into scouts, get them out to experiences and mine insights, we're always going to be able to be ahead of the curve on what's the best of the best stuff that's happening out there. Right. And then we can bring those ideas back. We can riff on them. Um, we can you know, develop things that are spawned off of the current trends in the marketplace and make sure that whatever we're doing is future proofed. So Field Trips takes that whole inspiration and kind of longstanding heritage as Superfly and expands it to everybody in our in our community as a Superpass holder. So what you're going to be able to do is submit proposals for any event that you want to go to around the world that can give some type of insight or inspiration to our development of Superfest and our planning process. So let's say that you want to go to, you know, an art gallery show that's in Singapore, you know, if you submit a proposal talking about why it's dope, what they're going to have there, how that's going to be beneficial to, you know, our development and the insights you hope to get, we'll approve that, you know, proposal, get you tickets to get in the door. And then, you know, you'll obviously have to get yourself there and whatnot, but it'll allow people to have global access to see the shows and experiences that they want on their terms. Um, all the while having a really good benefit to the community at large. Um, so that's one, and that's getting ready to actually go into alpha testing. We're going to open up the first proposal submission window as soon as the end of next week. Um, so we're trying to move fast against all of these like intermediary programs as well, because we definitely don't want to constrain the value prop. Um, and then, you know, another piece that I think is equally as important is like, look, like whether you're a concert goer, an experienced junkie, or just simply a degen, right? Like we're all collectors that like to commemorate the shit that we love. So we've developed what's called a curiosity program. Um, which is meant to be admittedly a bit mysterious because what we're going to do is collaborate with our network of um, artists and musicians, pair them together to create very unique digital art and NFTs um, that people who are super pass holders will have access to mint. Um, so not only are people going to get access to get these really cool collector's items, which I think like if you were to have a reference is a little bit in the lane of like grails from like Proof Collective. The thing that we flipped is that if you look at our super pass, you'll see that like, the art has a really great stage on it and it also has music as a video file. So the cool thing is as we introduce these drops in curiosity and you collect them, you're actually going to be able to update your super pass to feature the curiosity drops that you've collected. So what will happen is the stage visuals will change to feature someone like an Amber Vittoria, who's one of our, you know, artist founders. And then also the backing track will change to feature, you know, one of our musician collaborators. So now you've essentially created a festival set in your NFT that represents you. So we're getting some of that, like, you know, creative expression at an individual level um, active. And then my favorite part about that entire project is that the lion's share of all the proceeds that go into, you know, any type of mint 
or any type of secondary royalties are going to be passed through back to the artist. So it's going to be a revenue stream for them as well um, and really start to create some positive sentiment around the marketplace and how we onboard new artists visually and musically into the space. Um, so those are two really cool ones. And I think the third that we introduced recently, which was simply like a byproduct of just listening to our community, is that you know, while we have things that we know we have to do at a core team level and we were going to build this, you know, great music festival and that's going to take time and a lot of work with, you know, everybody involved. Um, we had the opportunity to go and say, hey, like there's a lot of talented creators in our ecosystem. There's a lot of like, you know, bona fide artists and musicians that are creating on an everyday level. Why don't we go and open up a treasury so that people can have the opportunity to submit proposals and create on their terms? So the special thing right now about the Superpass Mint is that 80% of all the revenue that we're going to acquire from the Superpass Mint is going directly into the Superpass Treasury so that it can really power the ideas that come from our community. Um, and every single idea is on the table so long as it uplifts, empowers, and grows the Superfast community at large, giving the community a lot of stake in how they you know, operate and orient themselves within this project and pursue not only our collective goals, but their own individually in partnership with the, uh, with the team. So that's like a little bit of like a like a I would say a wide ranging view as like all the different, um, you know, access points and, you know, the ability to like engage with the interest based community and the utility that we'll bring to the forefront. Um, and as you can see, we're trying to like really curate these around specific archetypes in our community um, for people that are interested in different things. The last one I'd mentioned that we're going to announce next week. Um, is a very specific program and our like fourth and core one that's going to be specifically geared at artist discovery and making sure that people who you know are looking to make it in this space are looking to create in Web3 from a music perspective are going to have access to those that can you know help to mentor, educate, and uplift their journey um, from that respect along with our community as well. So um, yeah, just really trying to build out a lot of different lanes for people to go and interact on their terms as we also in the background develop Superfest full time. That is really cool. <laughs> wow, Rick, you weren't kidding about Knuckle. God damn. <laughs> hey, man, we, we, we only bring in aces here, you know. And in Seriously. fact, look, truthfully, a lot of this started because Knuckle came and I started to develop a relationship around another project. And we both were sort of in that early phase of like being, you know, blown away by all the opportunity in Web3. And, you know, he was a true festival fan, somebody who had really experienced what we do at the high level. And we just were like, hey, we, we, we got to do this. Like, we, we have to bring some of this energy uh, into the festival and experience space. And, um, you know, here we are, man, you know, not that long later uh, with, with a, an incredible community already formed and um, a bunch of resources already marshaled to go actually do real stuff. And look, we, we've got the experience. We know how to execute. Oh, yeah. What's so what's so cool right now is the fact that we get to work with people who um, are coming to this with such a fresh and real perspective. So many people in our community, people that I see even here tuning in today that we've got to meet through. We had a, a, a big meetup at Bonnaroo this year. We had a big meetup at Outside Lands. We did a big event at, at NYC NFT. And... Um, all of the energy that we're getting for these people who are like, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to work with people like you to help inform what a festival and a festival community can look like. And I get it, man. I get it. Like, you know, when I get to get around something that's I'm passionate about that I don't work in every day, like I'm a big sports fan. And every time I get access, 
access to sort of people who are in the sports world. And I get to ask and figure out, hey, how does this work? And what's possible? I get lit up. And just seeing the, our community members that we've already, you know, had this dialogue with get fired up that they can actually help inform what this community is doing on a daily basis and what our ultimate goal is, that is amazingly powerful. And it's such a cool thing about what, what's going on in the space right now. Rick, this is awesome. I remember you, like, I remember uh, when, like, uh, earlier on talking about it. I have one question for you. What was your craziest favorite most wild Bonnaroo you ever held? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's one that stands out. I mean, in a lot of ways, the first one, right? Because we didn't have any clue what we were doing. I was 25 years old. Um, you know, we had been producing concerts and events for, you know, four or five years. But the biggest thing we'd ever done before Bonnaroo was a 3,000 person uh, theater show that, you know, when you produce a show in a theater that comes with a staff and all that kind of stuff, we, when we went on sale for the first Bonnaroo, um, we were hoping maybe we would sell 20, 30,000 tickets at all. And we decided not to use Ticketmaster. We also decided not to do any advertising, um, because we were kind of in very early, almost like pre web one, which was like message boards and listservs, know very similar actually in a lot of ways to things like discord and you know twitter but but it was very early versions of that but we started to see as we we you know word got out that we were planning this thing that like people were chatting about it it had one of those like lightning in a bottle feels so we put the tickets up on sale um and uh the first day we sold like ten thousand tickets and we were blown away and we had this kind of crazy pricing model too where the earlier you bought the tickets the cheaper it was and then next day we sold like fifteen thousand tickets and we're like holy shit we're gonna sell this whole thing out you know at the at the cheap ticket price and we're not gonna we're gonna lose money you know and so we all kind of huddled and we made a little pivot and we said you know what we we gotta we gotta you know run out of that supply and move on to the next and all of the fans were cool with it. Everybody was like, hey, we, 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 we get it. Like, we just want this thing to happen. And within two weeks, we sold 70,000 tickets with no advertising, wow. no ticket master. And it was, you know, just one of those things where we were in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. And I'll tell you what the, the secret to a lot of it was. And this is so relevant to what we're talking about here. We were the audience. I would have been the first person to buy a Bonnaroo ticket if somebody else was doing that I would have been there with bells on man ready to freaking rage and we just knew what the, our audience our people wanted essentially and so what's so cool about the paradigm now with so many things happening in web3 and, and I think with what we're trying to apply to it is that if you cultivate an audience if you cultivate a community and you really listen to them and you allow them to lead about what you should create. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will create something that matters. And for us right now, we hope it's huge, but we just really know that it needs to be meaningful. It, and, and this is back to what Corey was saying before, like we, we, we want to provide a lot of different opportunities for people to come in to what we're doing here. But ultimately what we want is people who, who really you know, believe that like being a part of something, even in a small way, even just by taking a vote or, you know, putting an idea on the table can impact something because that, that perspective that all of 
the people have, the community has really does matter. And, and, you know, our, our story is kind of very much about that. And so to be here now doing that, but, you know, so many different things, uh, so many amazing stories with, with Bonnaroo and outside lands, a lot of these other festivals, producing events is a crazy business. You know, you're, you're, you're there to sort of take care of people, to take care of artists, to present art, to, to, you know, provide hospitality, you know, people are spending their, hard-earned time and money to come to your experience this is their vacation this is the thing they plan for all that kind of stuff that's really serious stuff it's not saving lives per se like you know doctors and stuff like that and you know my friends that work in the health profession i'm always blown away by but what we do is really um trying to give people these moments in life that really helps them you know, evolve as people and connect and, and that's serious work. And, you know, you've got to do it with people that really know what they're doing. And so, you know, we were very lucky when we first started this to, to cultivate a, a, a group of people who are really passionate event producers, many of the people that are part of our team have worked for us for decades and they're fired up too about applying these kind of new set of rules and new paradigms to, to what we're doing. Rick, that's awesome. And like, I think it could, it could have been Woodstock 99. If you haven't seen that documentary on Netflix, I highly recommend checking it out. It's insane. Did you guys document, like have videos of all this early stuff you were doing with uh, the early? Yeah, there's actually quite a few things out there. Uh, there's a bunch of different DVDs about the early Bonnaroo's. That's funny saying the word DVD. I mean, I'm sure you can find it online. Uh, there's a great one that the very famous uh, rock photographer, an amazing human, Danny Clinch did. Uh, called a, a thousand miles from uh, Graceland or two hundred miles from Graceland. Sorry, that's that's a really good one. It's really artistically done. Gives a lot of behind the scenes kind of perspective on um, on how we did it. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of content out there, man. I, I got to tell you, I can't watch that Woodstock '99 thing. I mean, it's it's painful. It's and I, rough. I, it's really yeah, rough. It's it, it it's a shame that that's what gets the attention in a way, and I get why it does. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've had, had some experience, um, you know, around some of the people that created that thing. And it, it's, um, it's nuts, man. And it, it does show you what can go wrong if you don't, you know, really care about the community, if you don't care about, um, you know, how people are being treated. And, you know, that, that's always just been like the paramount thing for us, right, is, you know, we are the fans, we have to produce in a way that would we would want to be treated. It's just like anything in life, right? The golden rule, the thing I teach my try and teach my kids every day. You know, treat people how you want to be treated. It's not more complicated than that. And I think ultimately, you know, that's just one of those things that um, you know, if if you sort of you know have as a foundational element of business and life, you, you'll be successful and good things will come to you. And when you see something like that and you see people not doing it like that, it's infuriating because it makes people question whether or not they should go to events like this or who's behind it or all, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I, I encourage people to leave that behind and, and go check out, you know, some of the great um, documentaries about festivals all over the world. There, there's incredible experiences all over this world. I've been, you know, been to tons of festivals worldwide. Uh, Corey and Caroline and I all, all just got back from Burning Man, which I, I can't talk enough about, about how amazing and true that experience is. Um, 
you know, go put your energy into that because the, the world is filled with, with incredible experiences put on by people who really do do it the right way and who, who do it from that perspective of, of treating people, you know, in, in the way they'd want to be treated. Wow. I, dude, I love this last part, this last bit that you're talking about. This is really awesome. I also love the story of your, Simon, that was a great question because I love the story of the first Bonnaroo and like web, whatever you want to call it, like no web. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's kind of like, does it, do, do you feel a little bit this way now that you're venturing in this space, Rick? Like, does this kind of feel like ground zero all over again for you? Like, you got to redo it all. You're kind of doing it all again, but with a new medium, a new technology, a new space, like a complete new world? Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, look, I, I, me and, and my partners and the people in our community, um, we like to to try and innovate. And right. And, and that's scary. You, you don't always get it right. You, you make a lot of mistakes. You, you know, think things are one way when they're really another way. Um, but we're just not kind of wired to rinse and repeat. We're, we're, we're always trying to figure out, you know, how we can do things um, in a way that's uh, evolving the creative process and evolving the, um, you know, output of that to be something that's, that's fresh and different. And, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I don't like about how we've been producing things for 25 years is that the relationship that we have with audiences and artists is very transactional. You know, people buy a ticket to come to our event, they pay us money. You know, we then in turn pay the artists to perform and, you know, it, it's, it's a function that works. There's a reason why, you know, our industry is set up in a way that works like that. It, it, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but it does feel like there's a way to do things that create a, a different type between those people. Because the way I think about it, like every dollar that we get from a fan, it's not our dollar, it's the fan's dollar. It's our responsibility to spend it in a way that, you know, produces something of value to them. And similarly with artists, you know, um, yes, artists need to get paid to perform and that makes total sense. But ultimately some of the best stuff that we've done is when we've been able to get artists to think about things in a slightly different way. We, we've been for many years producing uh, an event series called Super Jam. And what happens at Super Jam is we get different artists from different backgrounds and different worlds to collaborate for a one-time only performance. Now that takes a lot of energy for the artists to actually do that, to actually come together and kind of form a new band per se, or a new thing, you know, out of nowhere, right? And, but the end result of those things are incredibly special. And I encourage people, if you just, you know, Google Super Jam at Bonnaroo or Superfly, you'll see there's tons of cool content on YouTube around it. And the net result is these creations, these moments of artists coming together in ways they never, ever thought they could or would. And so that to me is sort of like the, the, the biggest thing that we can do as producers is to create opportunities for new art to be formed, for new creations to happen. If we can set the table for that, and allow that to happen, then we've really done our job. Um, and so I think that, I don't know, but I'm really hopeful 
that through Superfest, we'll at least do something that's a little better than just transactional. I don't think we're going to change the world with it. I don't think we're going to change the industry. But I think directionally, we will start to, you know, show people that that relationship that you have with, with you know, fans and the relationship you have with artists and the relationships that the artists and the fans have together, right? The ability for a fan to suggest something to an artist or for an artist to solicit from the fans, you know, some part that they can inform the art that they're creating. If we can just notch that up a little bit better than just that transactional, I pay for a ticket, I get paid relationship, then we will have really done something meaningful. And that, that ultimately is, you know, one of my biggest goals for this whole thing is, is really just to, to transcend the way that those relationships, um, you know, have typically been to, to another level. Um, I hope we can do that. That is really cool. Wow. I love too. I love that. So like, honestly, I, I'll ask you the last question. I know we're, I want to be mindful of, of time here and whatnot. Uh, but you know, if, so if someone wants to be part of this, I know the mint uh, closes today, you guys have been open for a bit. Um, first question, I guess, what time is mint close? And then, um, obviously how can people mint that's on your website? I'll, I'll say it up here. I, I retweeted it and I also pinned it here. Um, but that's on their, their official website. So obviously be, uh, always be careful with, uh, with links and whatnot. It's super dot uh, X, Y, Z, but with a three. So super fast F three st.xyz but maybe you want to we, we could close off on that on like you know just the details of like where people can can learn more and you know mint uh, mint this if they're interested yeah for sure so like you said superfest.xyz the e in fest is actually a three like you mentioned so just be mindful of that so f3 st um you can go to mint we're going to be closing the mint out at uh midnight eastern uh this evening um, we're really hyped to like get our founder group locked in and then, you know, off to the races from an execution perspective. We have a 90 day roadmap that we're executing right now to kind of get a lot of our foundational infrastructure in place and start to get like a lot of these value propositions stood up and operational. Um, so all of that stuff is in motion. We're making great headway. And uh, yeah, we're you know in the process of just acquiring the last bit of founders that are going to be a part of this journey and this ride. And the other thing I would say that's pretty notable for later this afternoon and pretty cool we're going to actually be making our official um, Wave 2 artist founder announcement. So if you go on the site, you can see a bunch of people listed that are already our collaborators. But, um, you know, this afternoon, we're going to, right before the mint closes, release the latest batch of folks. Um, I don't want to steal Caroline's thunder because she's been killing it on that front of acquiring a lot of incredible people and talent for this mission with us. Um, but our guy, Ed Balloon, is one of the ones that will be actually announced here in just a few hours. And so we're super hyped to have him as well as several other just mainstays in the space. And also, frankly, a lot of talented artists that are looking to get into the space and want to do it from a point of authenticity and see us as a launch pad for that. Um, so that'll be a cool kind of, you know, another thing that you guys will expect to see uh, by the end of the day. But midnight tonight, it, uh, it locks in and then forward we go. Hell yeah, forward you go. I can't wait for that. Uh, and I really, really am I'm looking forward to everything you guys will be uh, building the space. Uh, it's super, super fun. So definitely check out Superfest and, uh, you know, follow Rick. Follow Caroline, follow Nako, because that's some that's some solid founders uh, in the space that obviously you've been doing it for a minute, but it's really cool to see people like y'all, you know, come in the space and, uh, and uh, you know, just, you know, straight dope shit. So let us know also on the side, like if we can be present at your festivals, I'm definitely down as hell. Uh, and and yeah. can we, can we vote for fast. Ed to perform? <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> no doubt. No doubt on all um, of that. Well, hey, Farouk, man, th- thanks for everything you're doing, man. It was super fun to hang with you at, at VCon and get to know you. And look, I, I know what you're doing is pioneering, and I know it's not easy. And I know, you know, like anything, when you're trying to be innovative and an entrepreneur, there's lots of ups and downs, man. And so I just appreciate, you know, I've been following you and your story and how you're wading through all of this. And, you know, I just really appreciate how real, uh, you know, you are being um, in in the public square and putting yourself out there. And, um, you know, just uh, it's, you know, keep going, man, because, um, you know, what all of this needs is that positivity is people just pushing forward and making stuff happen and, um, you know, letting the negative stuff, uh, you know, help inform, you know, the best choices, but not letting that beat you down. And so I just want to say that, man, I really appreciate you and and keep plugging with what you're doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, Really, really appreciate that coming from you, Rick. And that means a lot, honestly. And so what a, what a better way, like, is there a better way than to end the show on a Friday than this and the Montreal church bells here? Let me open the window as usual. At noon, every day, on this beautiful <laughs> day, this bright blue sky in Montreal, Canada. That's how I know my show's done. By the way, every day at noon, this this church does not uh, does not stop for like fucking twenty minutes. But I love it. I like it a lot. And <laughs> it's God telling me to go back to work. And uh, and <laughs> with that. Uh, Thank you so much to special guest, uh, Spooper Fest, for powering the show together. It's awesome to have y'all. Big shout-out to my co-host, OSF and Mando, as usual, and our friends on the stage, Ed, Simon, Kenobi, Golden, and everybody who joined us for the, for the conversation today. We'll see you on Monday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for another episode of GMNFTs on Rug Radio. And we've been working on the guests. Let me tell y'all, woo, if you think the last five, six weeks have been crazy... Oh, my God. You have no idea what's ahead for y'all. So with that, I love y'all. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Enjoy yourself. Peace out. Thanks, y'all. Peace. It's a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. A GM, GM. Yeah. Shout out, Ed Balloon. Good morning, NFTs. With a Roco, Seth, and Mando. And it's all on the road, radio. Rock radio. Uh. Have a beautiful day. Yup. TMTM. TMTM. Rock radio. Rock radio. Yo, Ed, you're going to give me a rock radio. End this. <laughs> <laughs> end it. End it now. End it now. Oh. All right, I'm going to come on spaces later today. I feel like, like spacing out all day. All right, peace out. Love y'all. Hey.